This program deals with themes of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside of this world. We must guard against the military-industrial conflict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! The power they took from the people will return to the people. The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. Shall I tell you what I find beautiful about you? You are in charge of the best when things are worse. Sooner or later, though, you always have to wake up. Be skeptical, but don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas. And I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, please make yourself at home. Thanks to all our members for making our truth journey a reality. To listen to segment two of tonight's interview, go to our website at veritasradio.com and subscribe. You will receive your login immediately. And I'm proud to announce that Sanitas Radio started this week. Go to sanitasradio.com and find out Who's coming up next? I want to declassify the secret to health and longevity and bring sanity to this chaotic world and balance our mind, body, and spirit. Check it out and see who's coming up next. And if you enjoy it, and I know you will, subscribe. And for MMS, our futuristic metal-cased USB drives with all our seasons and bonus material and phytovitamins feel the difference. Visit the Veritas store and also the sponsors page. To get in touch with us for member support, media inquiries, you want to be a guest or are a whistleblower, there's a link for you by clicking on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And tonight we'll go deep inside the true underworld, the undercover world of a former DEA agent who at one point was responsible for what could be the biggest drug deal in history, $3.6 billion, and bringing multiple countries down for a real win on the side of the people. 
only to find out our own government is really not interested in winning this war or any war. Tonight, we'll discuss a first-hand account of the sabotage of a DEA undercover sting operation that threatened to expose U.S. government ties to drug-financed governments around the world. For this and much more, tonight's special guest is Michael Levine, right now on Veritas. Michael Levine called America's top undercover agent for 25 years by 60 Minutes, is a New York Times best-selling author of Deep Cover, The Big White Lie and Triangle of Death, and one of the most decorated undercover agents in the history of the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Administration. He is active as a court-qualified expert and trail consultant in covert operations, international narcotics trafficking, informant handling, and police use of force. He is currently lecturing on undercover survival tactics and informant handling for the U.S. Department in Brazil. His New York City radio show can be heard on WBAI 99.5 FM. And to learn more about Michael Levine's work, buy his books or listen to his radio program. All links to his website are linked at ours, veritasradio.com, for your convenience. And directly from New York City. I would like to introduce Michael Levine. Hello, Michael, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? Well, thanks for having me on, Mel. It's my pleasure. Michael, I finally read the book last night. I finished it last night, and I have to say, my suspicions of the involvement that our own government has with the drug trade were confirmed. Before we start talking about your journey, I just want to make something very clear. Is there a parallel here between the Vietnam War, and the so-called drug war? Um, I, I don't know, Mel. I mean, I, the what happened to myself and, the, and the, those agents who took part in the, the two undercover operations that uh, uh, I wrote about, a, one in the, the Big White Lie and the other in the book Deep Cover, uh, were flabbergasting to us. They blew us away. Uh, here we are, a bunch of people, a bunch of uh, an, a group of men and women who had taken an oath to defend the Constitution and the people, and who believed in the war on drugs, and and uh, we had the glorious opportunity to, as far as I know, the only two cases ever in the history of DEA where uh, any reader can see we were in position to really destroy cocaine production, really destroy it. And put everybody into everyone uh, in the governments of Bolivia and Mexico and Panama away in jail. Uh, and our own government sabotaged us, put our lives out to risk, uh, made attempts on our lives. So when we live through that, that alone is is mind blowing. You can't. I couldn't reference anything uh, to Vietnam, whether it's the same thing or not. But I did have an experience in uh, Southeast Asia early in my career that you might find interesting. Uh, the case was United States versus John Edward Davidson and Liang Tu, And it involved uh, the first time in, in my career, I think actually one of the very few times in history for any of our federal agents, where uh, an undercover agent, that is not an informant, you know, you have all of these paid informants coming out and writing books about how they are undercover agents for the U.S. government. 
technically, I suppose they are, but the vast majority of them are criminals who will lie and do anything to, uh, you know, implicate raw, uh, innocent people, etc., to make a buck or glorify themselves. But an agent, someone who had taken an oath to defend the Constitution, someone who carried a badge to go undercover in what we refer to as deep cover, where you go into another country, you give up your badge, you give up any connection with the U.S. government, and you're literally at the mercy of the people in that country who are above the law, uh, people who, if they find out, or if they realize, or if they even suspect that you are lying, and that you are not who you say you are, and of course you're, you're posing, or I was always posing as a mafioso, a criminal, uh, if they thought for a second that I was lying, I would disappear. And, you know, it's sort of cliche, you know, the government will disallow all knowledge. Well, I knew that, you know, that would happen. So you end up literally acting for your life. And the first time this happened to me was during the Vietnam War, when I arrested in New York a man by the name of John Edward Davidson, who had three kilos of heroin concealed in a false bottom suitcase. Now, I was very good at flipping people. You arrest them. Flipping means you turn them into an informant. And uh, John Edward Davidson was a combat veteran from Vietnam who had been discharged and continued to make trips from Bangkok to uh, U.S. And he had something like seven trips in his passport when I picked him up at the airport. And I'll make a long story very short. Uh, we were able to make a controlled delivery of the three kilos of heroin that night. We arrested uh, the people who financed his operation. And after that went down successfully, I asked John if he would introduce me to his source. Well, his source was uh, a fellow called Gary and Mr. Gah, G-E-H, in, in Bangkok. Uh, he wrote a letter to them, and in it we took a, outside of the courthouse under a palm tree in uh, Florida where the controlled delivery had gone down. He and I took a photo arm in arm, and we cut the photo in half, and he sent half the photo to these uh, these Thailand drug traffickers. A couple of months later, um, I was working. I was working, by the way, for a legendary narcotic investigator by the name of Al Seeley who he he I was in the hard narcotics smuggling unit of customs and we at that time were at war with the Federal Bureau of Narcotics for turf and and uh budget and glory and so Al sent me to Thailand on a tourist passport. Everything was fake and we the uh, Federal Bureau of Narcotics had an office there and I, I was uh, we couldn't tell them I was there because he, we, the uh, the customs hard narcotics unit trusted the Federal Bureau of Narcotics less than we trusted drug dealers, and so I end up in Bangkok. With the only person who knew I was there was the customs attaché, and I'm living with Chinese drug dealers in Bangkok. Bottom line is I was very good at what I did, Mel. I was good, a good con man. I I, I speak fluent Spanish. I, I'm conversant in Italian. Uh, I look like anything. I mean, you could see my photo in the in the books. And I, I have gotten over. That is, I have passed as just about everything. And these Chinese drug dealers really liked me and wanted to impress me. And 
hanging with them and setting up a drug deal. They wanted they wanted to convince me that my mafia uh, could deal directly with them and get large amounts of heroin. Now, this was at a time in our history when cocaine was called a kitty drug, and American GIs was starting to a massive number of American GIs were becoming heroin addicts and heroin was flooding the United States and and President Nixon had declared war on drugs and you know telling us that these evil dark foreigners were, were the real culprits and so uh, I felt like I was doing God's work now, on top of that I had a my brother David he was a heroin addict and he would later commit suicide not too many years later and uh, after 19 years of drug addiction and say I just can't stand the drugs anymore that was his last note so I was kind of uh, on a mission from God you might say I thought all of this was real President Nixon's words were my marching orders uh, this, the drug war is the number one priority it's the number one threat to American security blah blah blah, blah. well the Chinese drug dealers that I'm hanging with they invite me to Chiang Mai. That's up on the Golden Triangle area. <clears throat> it's the end end of the line for the uh, Mao tribesmen who were trafficking in uh, heroin and opium and raw, raw base opium across Southeast Asia. And it's where they were converting it, the raw base opium, to heroin, which would later be transported worldwide. A good portion of it, of course, going to the United States. Suddenly, my operation, this is the first time an international operation started to just fall apart, and I'm not given any money. A lot of this was covered in a book called Undercover by Donald Goddard, a British writer. And uh, he, I didn't even have money to pay my hotel bill, but I was going to, if I had to spend my own money, I was going up to Chiang Mai with these two drug dealers. Suddenly, I get word that I have to be at the American embassy four o'clock in the morning. Uh, I zig and zag through streets of Bangkok in the middle of the night to make sure I'm not followed because these guys, would, they would kill you and uh, you, you'd just disappear in Bangkok. And I knew at the time, I, you know, I was married, had two little children, and uh, I knew I was gone. Uh, I was, I knew that one mistake and I was gone. And we cut to me meeting my first CIA agent in Bangkok. And I'm at the American Embassy. And I'm there with Joe Jenkins, who, by the way, had one arm. He was a legendary one arm uh, customs narcotic officer. And uh, there I meet a nameless CIA agent, except you could see that the guy was kind of uh, living out what, you know, I, I, I've, I've said this often. Heaven protect us from men who live the illusion of danger. And you might he might have been describing everybody who's a CIA officer. Uh, he he's there wearing a jungle jacket and boots and you know he's got this gun under his hip and he's sitting on a desk looking at me and we're the only three in the office in the in, in the embassy other than the marines at that time of night and he says very simply you're not going to Chiang Mai and I said well why so they they want to take me to he, they invited me to Chiang Mai to see what they call the factory the people manufacturing more heroin than we had ever seized in the United States in, in our history. And uh, here's my chance to go there so that we can destroy it, identify it, locate it, uh, deal with the people involved, get them all indicted, at least in the United States. 
you know, and go move for their extradition or something. You know, that's what you, that's what I had taken an oath to do, and that's what I believed in. And he said to me, pretty simply, he said, we can't cover you up there. We've already lost people up there in Chiang Mai. And as crazy as I was, Mel, I, I said, I'm, you know, you're not getting out of this life alive. And, you know, if I, this is what I took an oath for. I'm not, I, I didn't take this to be safe. This is what I want to do. I'll let that be my choice. And he got very exasperated with me. And then he said, Levine, we got, we have your record. You just, you, we know your military. You understand that you don't understand. You don't know the whole, the big picture, don't you? And I said, yes, because that was my training to that point. I didn't know the big picture, uh, the, uh, the uh, customs enforcement section, hard narcotics was a paramilitary organization, just as DEA is. And I knew to follow that you, you followed orders. I had, that had been ingrained in me from the time I, I went into the military at, eight, at uh, 18 years of age. He said, well, we have the big picture. We want you to close this case down here in Bangkok. Arrest, we'll arrest the people who have been dealing with you. Get them to deliver, you know, an amount of heroin. We, we, I, by the way, I had already located the people making false bottom suitcases, so we had them located. He said, "We're just going to close it down here, and that's an order." And I did. I, you know, I followed orders. I couldn't conceive of uh, somebody who would do damage to the American people, to the Constitution. And you have to remember that this is during the Vietnam War, and this is what you, you started this question going in this direction, if you're not regretting that. And no, 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 not at all. And let me just say that, that the reason why I asked you about Vietnam, Mike, was because I think the parallel is that that was a war not to be won, just like the drug, the drug war. Well, I, I think everybody knows that it was not, but you haven't heard this angle of it. Uh uh, so the arrest went down, and we alerted um, the uh, Federal Bureau of Narcotics to the case, and a fellow who I've been friends with ever since, his name was Tommy O'Grady, you know, realized that I was there for the first time, and and uh, we had signals, elaborate signals worked out. The Thai police were so corrupt that we couldn't even tell them until the very last minute that these people were coming to deliver drugs to my hotel. Uh, heroin to my hotel. It's the Siam Siam Intercontinental Hotel. It was on Sukhumvit in in Bangkok. Uh, and, you know, those of you old enough to, or those of you who travel in to Bangkok, you'll recognize that. It's kind of like the Times Square of New York in in Bangkok. And uh, the uh, the two fellows, Gary and Mr. Gash, show up with the heroin, and I give the signal, and none of the Thai police move because these guys. Uh, untouchable in Thailand. They're not moving. And they're looking at me, and I, I'm not taking the drugs. I'm not giving them the money as I was supposed to be giving them. And, and suddenly Tommy O'Grady, this Federal Bureau of Narcotic agent, realizes what's happening, and he bounds across Sukhumvit himself, an American agent in Bangkok, and he jumps these two guys and knocks them down on the ground. Then the Thai police had to take action. So he had an American cop uh, basically making the arrest in Bangkok. And uh, I go back to the U.S., and I'm given a U.S. Treasury Special Act award for the case. I think it was the first case of its kind where uh, an undercover agent went worldwide. We got the, the, the smuggler, the financier in New York, the financier in Florida, the, the source of 
heroin in Bangkok, the people making false bottom suitcases, all of that. So I, I got a U.S. Treasury Act award and a check. Hold on to your hat now for $250. Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.